Welcome to the Eating Habits for Life podcast. I'm Kate Johnston, and I'm an eating habit and weight loss coach for career women. I'll help you become the person who no longer has bad eating habits and loses the weight she really wants to in a way that lasts. Let's start. Hi there, welcome to the podcast. So today I want to talk about something that I know a lot of you career women do because I did the same thing for so many years. That is using food as a reward, oftentimes for a tough day. That can be a tough day at work, a tough day at home, a combination of the two, or even just a difficult or uncomfortable situation or circumstance. And the title of this podcast episode is Food, the Comfort Connection, because that's really sort of what prompts us to use food as a reward, the comfort from the food. The food is providing a very short-term pleasure, which is a feeling of comfort, and that can feel like a major reward after a tough day or circumstance, because who doesn't want to be comforted after something uncomfortable has occurred? So in this episode, I'm going to give you some reasons of why you may be linking food and reward together. I'm also going to give you some strategies for some of these to help you to decrease or even stop completely using food as a reward or as a comfort. Because we all know we're not choosing the steamed broccoli or the baby carrots to reward ourselves after a long, stressful day, right? We choose the foods that are much higher in calories because they're high in sugar or fat and also oftentimes salt as well. Okay, so the first thing that I want you to know, which is perhaps the most important thing, is that if you're using food as a reward or a comfort, and I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast episode, you are, you are completely normal. This is a very common human behavior and especially common amongst career women. It's common for career women because of lots of different stressors and circumstances. So balancing work and home schedules, pressure to produce at work, putting out fires at work or even at home, and if you're a parent, the additional things that you deal with there. All right, so I'm going to go through some reasons why you may be using food as a reward. Just one of these might resonate with you or several of them might resonate with you. But again, this is completely normal and that's just because our human brains were designed in a certain way for survival purposes. And now it just translates to something that's not quite as useful and can even be harmful to your emotional and physical health. That's mainly because of the types and the amounts of foods that you may be eating because you're eating them as a reward and not necessarily because you're hungry, right? And because instead of managing your emotions in much more effective ways, food is just sort of putting a little band-aid on it temporarily, which means the, the emotions don't get managed properly. So a very common reason 
to use food as a reward after a tough day is because the food is providing a feeling of comfort for uncomfortable emotions. So think emotional eating. Any emotion that's uncomfortable, such as stress, tension, anxiety, maybe irritation, overwhelm, we don't really want to be experiencing these, right? Or at least 99.8% of us don't really want to be sitting there feeling stressed or anxious or overwhelmed. So a quick and easy way to feel better or feel comforted when you're feeling an uncomfortable emotion is to eat food, especially certain types of food because they're going to spike dopamine and serotonin more so than others. Dopamine and serotonin are hormones, okay? So dopamine is the hormone that sort of gives you that bit of a pleasurable sensation and it really spikes mainly with reward. So um, if you are in, t- if you found something, right, or you are getting rewarded with something, this can spike dopamine. And because the comfort provided by food can feel like a reward, or the food itself can feel like a reward, that's going to spike dopamine also. Even the anticipation of having that reward. So the anticipation of going home and having the glass of wine or the chocolate as a reward for your tough day, that anticipation can even spike dopamine. And serotonin is more like that um, feel good, like that comfort sort of helps you to stay a little bit calm, relaxed. Um, So that's the hormone that sort of provides those types of feelings. So chocolate cookies are going to spike dopamine and serotonin more than something like steamed broccoli, okay? That's why you tend to go for foods like cookies or chips over the broccoli, even though you know broccoli has more nutrients in it. And even though you may be on a weight loss or eating habit journey, of course your your brain is going to be pulled in the direction of the cookies and the chips rather than the broccoli. Again, completely normal. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just the way your normal human brain is wired currently. So at some point in the past, most likely in your childhood, actually I can say that with 100% certainty that it was in your childhood, you ate a delicious food, right? Say it was animal crackers or say it was a cookie and the dopamine and the serotonin were released in your brain. You felt the pleasure from the dopamine and then the comfort from the serotonin. Because you experienced the pleasure and comfort from these two hormones, also known as neurotransmitters, your brain linked the delicious food and feeling good or feeling comforted. Unfortunately, after you get a spike in these two hormones, you then get a big dip, which can contribute to desire to keep eating more and also cravings in the future. So when you keep feeding into this whole rise in dopamine and serotonin, it just sets you up for overeating and for establishing really strong cravings in the future. 
the more this sequence of events occurs with feeling something uncomfortable and then eating a delicious food that spikes the dopamine and the serotonin to get that pleasure and comfort, the stronger the link gets. So if you ate a lot of those delicious foods when you were younger and experienced the pleasure or the comfort or both, right? Then most likely the link between food and pleasure and comfort was strengthened significantly, especially if you were in a lot of uncomfortable situations and then either your parents gave you food to provide you comfort or your caretakers, or you were able to just go and get the food yourself to provide yourself that comfort, especially if you didn't have other ways of being comforted. And it doesn't even necessarily have to have occurred often in childhood either. If later in life you ate a lot of those delicious foods at times when you were feeling an uncomfortable emotion, then that link that link is strengthened. So how do you stop emotionally eating? Or how do you stop using food as a comfort with an uncomfortable emotion? There are a few ways. So one of the most effective ways is to learn how to feel your feelings or learn how to feel your emotions. Same thing. So this is a skill. We don't want to feel those uncomfortable emotions, which is why we use the food to sort of escape from them, right? Or cope with them. It's the easy way. And when everything else is going on in our life, we want the easy way, right? But the way that I teach you how to feel your feelings is actually pretty simple. And once you get the hang of it, it becomes easier. Our brains just like to think that we have to go with the easiest way, which is the food, right? That's like putting that little band-aid on it. But that's just actually making things worse because you're disregarding your feelings, You're not really feeling them. They just get buried and then they just pile up higher and higher. It's kind of like having dirty laundry in your closet. Unless you take the laundry down to your washing machine, it's going to stay there stinking and it's just going to build up and get more stinky, right? Emotions are like that too. If you just ignore them and let them keep piling up without actually feeling them, and then letting them be on their merry way, the uncomfortable ones will get more and more uncomfortable. They'll get more stinky, just like the laundry, right? You don't want that. So another way to stop emotionally eating and using food as comfort is to find other things that can provide a feeling of comfort instead of food. For example, one of my clients likes to cuddle with her dog after work. This provides comfort for her. So you can make a list of maybe like five to 10 things that provide you comfort that are not food related. So really think about things that you can do or something that you can maybe um, think about that's not food related that makes you feel comforted, right? It could be a cup of soothing tea. Tea's fine because it's, it's just water and leaves, right? So that is something that you can you could consume if that is something that really gives you comfort, like the warmth from the tea, sipping something, right? Or even just lighting a candle and reading a book for 20 minutes or cuddling your dog, right? So make a list of some things that provide you comfort and start working these in 
after a long, hard day, right? Or after a stressful situation. So next up, as far as when it comes to why and how foods end, ends up being a reward and a comfort, and this is a big one, is just getting into the habit or the routine of it. Remember how I mentioned a little bit ago the sequence of events that occurs? So you feel something uncomfortable or you had a tough day and you're feeling relief that it's over and you're seeking out a reward for yourself. You go for the food that your brain already knows provides that dopamine and serotonin hit or release and you feel that pleasure and the comfort from eating the food. If that whole sequence has become a habit because you do it so frequently and in a similar context each time, meaning the same time, place, or similar circumstance, like for example, after you come in the door after a hard day at work, then that can be a reason why at this point you're continuing to use a certain food or certain foods as a reward. You might just be in the habit of doing so. And when we're talking about the part of the brain that is involved in habits. The reason, whole reason why your brain creates habits out of your behaviors, out of certain behaviors that you've done frequently enough is really to save energy, right? And so imagine this, like you're at the end of a long, really difficult workday. You don't want to think anymore. So your brain is going to fall back on the habit part of the brain and it's going to pull up any habits that that you were sort of already in because it wants to conserve the energy. So you might feel when you're stuck in this habit that you're completely out of control of your behavior because you've been doing it so frequently and you're not even really thinking about it. It's it's just that habit part of the brain, right? It's become automatic. You don't even really think about your specific actions. You just come home from work and go straight for the chocolate or the chips that are in the cabinet. So what works well for helping this is of course the above things that I mentioned about learning how to feel your feelings and even finding some alternatives to provide comfort or a rewarding feeling. And then in addition, because a habit has been formed, that habit has to be broken. It's not broken all at once. The links have to be weakened. Okay, so to break a habit, you need to make the behavior more difficult to do. You need to put some friction or some distance between yourself and the thing, the food, right, that you were going for. And you need to see the reward as less rewarding than you're currently seeing it. Okay, so what I mean by this is right now, If this is a habit for you and your brain continues to do it because it's providing some sort of a reward, right? So you need to find something that's healthier, that's a greater reward, so that the reward you're currently getting from the food isn't quite as good as the new reward. So this may sound really difficult, right? But I will tell you, I'll give you an example. It's not super difficult um, because you can sort of combine two rewards together to make it like a bigger reward, right? So what I mean by this is the new better reward might be finding something like I mentioned earlier that is not food, but provides a rewarding, comforting, or fulfilling feeling. So you use that new reward 
remember that list of five to 10 things that you wrote down that provide you comfort, right? And you combine that with the reward of knowing that you are going to be a healthier, happier you once you break the habit. So that's sort of the future reward. So you combine that with the alternative reward, right? And now you have like a double reward because you're going to have a healthier, happier you once you break this habit. And most likely this habit is causing some sort of emotional, mental, or physical negative outcome. So when you think about not having those things any longer, how good does that feel, right? So just knowing that once you get on the other side of this, you're going to be healthier and happier, that's very rewarding. And that can just be added to one of the things that you brainstormed earlier. Your brain may be currently telling you, but the cookies are so tasty and rewarding. But really, when you think about your future and how you really want to be feeling and showing up in the world, the short-term pleasure from the cookies, is that really worth it? I know that you know it's not. You just have to remind your brain in the moments that it's not. It's like, hey brain, I know the cookies are tasty, but I've got goals and I have plans and you're not going to get in my way. And I want to mention that mindless eating is something that sort of falls under the habitual part of this. You're not quite fully aware that you're eating to feel better or using food as a reward, and you're not quite aware of like just how much you're eating either, right? Because you're just so in the habit of doing that, that it's kind of mindless. So intentionally being more mindful when you're eating can be very helpful as well. So this means paying attention to and really appreciating each bite of food that you're taking. Also being mindful as far as why you're eating, just having that awareness of oh, I'm actually eating because I'm feeling like I'm rewarding myself or I'm getting some comfort from this food. So paying attention to why you're eating is very, very helpful. And if you're using food as a reward and you're having difficulty breaking this habit, something you can try is just savoring each bite of the food that you're using as the reward instead of just sort of mindlessly eating and not paying attention and then overeating. Because at least by being more mindful, you're being more intentional. And that could be a good first step of breaking out of the habit of using food as a reward or comfort. So this may be an easier thing for you to start with if you choose to. And if you want to learn more about mindful eating, I have several blog posts about it on my website, katemjohnston.com. I also have at least one or two podcast episodes on it as well. All right, so two more reasons why you may be using food as a reward. One is social and cultural influences, meaning social gatherings, celebrations, and even cultural traditions that often revolve around food. Because we all know a birthday celebration always has to have a birthday cake, right? And every holiday always has to have a wide array of food. Now, of course, it's fun to use food as a celebratory thing and share in 
celebrations and cultural traditions and social gatherings with other people and have food as sort of part of it, right? And it's not like this happens most days of the week. It might be a more rare occasion, but if you feel that it is contributing to some negative results for you, then it may be something that you wish to address. So a really great thing to focus on in social situations like these is focusing on the other people around you. Focus on the thing or the person that's being celebrated. Focus on the meaning behind whatever cultural tradition is occurring or that your family and you are celebrating. Right, Focusing on these things more so than the food will help to just make you feel better overall, but it'll also help you to see that you don't need the food as a reward. You don't need to link the food with having a good time because now you're starting to link connection with other people with having a good time. Okay, so the final thing that I wanted to talk about as far as the reason why you may be using food as a reward or comfort is because of a lack of self-compassion or self-love. And you may not even be aware of this necessarily. So by bringing this to your attention, I'm hoping that if you weren't aware of this, you might be like, oh, this she may have something here. This may be something that's been causing me to use food as a comfort or a reward. So food may be the only way that you know of to show yourself some self-love or self-compassion. So in this sense, it's kind of more like a gift, maybe more so than a reward. I don't know. I'm having trouble placing a term on it, but I would say definitely more of a comfort, right? So especially if no one taught you how to have self-love or self-compassion, because self-love and self-compassion, those are things that should sort of make you feel comforted, right? If you have these things, but if you don't know how to have that self-love or self-compassion, then you might be looking to food for this, right? And especially if you weren't given love during your childhood or weren't given compassion, you may not know like how that actually feels coming from a person. And especially you may not know how that feels coming from yourself to yourself, right? So the only thing you may know may be food. So Getting love and compassion from an external source, such as parents, is super important, but also learning how to get it from yourself or to have it for yourself is super important as well, because you want to be able to really just have to rely on yourself for this. You don't want to have to rely on other people because other people might disappoint you, right? You may not have gotten love or compassion from your parents, so You want to be able to start learning now to give yourself that love and compassion. And so if you're lacking any of these, you may have just learned to give yourself food to feel a lot better, to sort of fill that void up, right? So this may have been your way of showing yourself some love because you really didn't know how else to. But let's find different ways to show yourself some love and compassion because food is just a short-term thing. 
it's external, it's meaningless. It's it's really, food is for nutrients, it's for energy, um, certainly it's for enjoyment, but food is not something that is really going to make you feel good and feel loved and feel secure, right? So how you think about yourself that is internal and that's long lasting. So that's going to be the thing that will help you to feel love towards yourself and feel compassion towards yourself. So how you think about yourself affects how you feel about yourself. So if you want more self-love, you're going to have to start thinking more thoughts that promote that feeling of self-love. And you may have to start very gradually, but this is something that is very important, or at least this is my philosophy with helping my clients change their eating habits, is making sure that there is self-love and self-compassion there. And if there's not, then increasing these. All right, my career women, think about which of these you fall into. There may be several, there may just be one. Also, be sure to supplement this podcast with a weekly email from me every Sunday morning to kickstart your week, especially coming off the weekend where we all sort of know that eating habits can be a little bit more tricky, a little bit more challenging. We might have some regrets, right? So to get the Sunday morning email, just go to weekly tips on my website, or if you're listening directly from a podcast listening app like iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon, you'll see a link there to sign up for the weekly tips right in the episode description. All right, it's very quick and easy, so be sure to do that so you can supplement these podcast episodes with that weekly email. Also, I include the link to each new episode as it comes out each week in that email as well. All right, thanks so much for listening. Take care, and I'll talk with you next week. Become the person who loves her eating habits and her body so you can enjoy more of your life. I'll help. Start now by just setting up a time to talk with me by visiting katemjohnston.com forward slash consult.